0: Oh, God, may that be true in us right now. We confess that you have planted amazing seeds in our heart. And oftentimes, just as those seeds are beginning to sprout and beginning to grow, along comes a boot, sometimes ours, sometimes someone else's, and it crushes it. And, and, and we're so tempted to believe that that's the end of the story. But that's the extent of our experience of the grace of God. But God, I thank you. I praise you that there is always more for us, God. The story is not over. Just as as in the season of Lent, we are not yet at the resurrection. God, so for many of us, we are not quite there yet. You are still moving. You are still working. Oh, God, we ask that you would let faith arise in us. Even now, even now, we just give you all praise and glory. God, we've heard your word already today that if we will confess our sins, you are faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. God, if we will confess our sins to one another, God, and to you, you will forgive. Oh, God. We are. People of unclean lips, unclean minds, unclean hands. And we walk among people of unclean lips and unclean minds and unclean hands. But God, you have claimed us as your own. You have entered our world. You have made possible, God, real healing. You have made possible real forgiveness. God, as we open your word today, I pray that we would find ourselves in your word. I pray that we might find courage we never thought we would have. I pray that we might risk, God, putting your word into practice. Thank you that your grace is available for us right here, right now, today. God, we pray. In Jesus' name, that you would help us to find words. We pray in Jesus' name that you would help us to rise up. We pray in Jesus' name, God, that even when words won't come, you would grant us words to pray. We do that even now. God, as we gather, crying out, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Amen. Please be seated. Would you uh, f- grab your Bibles and and uh, the Word of God in whatever form you have that? Many of you, it's going to be on your, your phones. I invite you to open that up to our Old Testament lesson today, a brief passage. You know that one of my favorite Old Testament books is the book of Isaiah, and I'm astounded at how often Isaiah, 800 years before the time of Christ, spoke exactly about the situation that would happen then when Jesus walked the earth, that he speaks exactly about the situation we find ourselves in. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 35, is an encouragement that is first given in Isaiah, again echoed in Jesus, then echoed again in the book of Hebrews. Isaiah 35, beginning in verse 3. Strengthen, strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Anybody relate? Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. And then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf, Unstopped, then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. Isaiah thirty-five three through six, the very word of God. Mm. And our New Testament passage from the Gospel of John, chapter five. While you're turning there, again we have we have um, been following. In the Gospel of John, the signs that John selecting out of myriad miracles and teachings that Jesus had offered during his days on earth, John has selected seven, seven for us. And we've been kind of walking our way through that. We saw uh, Mary saying to the servants uh, in, in Cana, do whatever he says. We, we, we felt with Jesus the the uh, astounding impact of His mother's words. Jesus thinking, if I do this, it's going to set into uh, a chain of events, into, into being that is going to end at the cross. Do you remember that? We didn't read it together, but then... He encountered Nicodemus and gave him those words of life. He encountered the Samaritan woman at the well and absolutely changed not only her life, but a whole city. A whole city as a result of her her faith. And now we we pick up the story again in John chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. After this, then, there was a feast of the Jews. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Just recall that three times a year. Uh, all Every man of, of Jewish faith was required, if it was at all possible, to come to Jerusalem for the feast. And they would spend a week together in Jerusalem. One of those feasts is happening now. John doesn't tell us which one. But it says that Jesus faithfully went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem, he continues in verse two, by the Sheep Gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. A colonnade is a is a, like a hallway that has columns along the side, a roof over it. Um, might see it like at the entrance of a church, a place where people can walk without the elements hitting them, where people can sit and reflect, um, a covered walkway. It had five roofed colonnades. And in these colonnades lay a multitude of invalids, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, Jesus said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up and while I'm going, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed. And he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So Jesus said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. Excuse me. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them and said, The man who healed me, that man said to me, Take up your bed and walk. And they asked him, Who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk. Now, the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in that place. And afterwards now, Jesus found him in the temple. Jesus found the man that he had healed and said to him, see, you are well. I love the way I think it's the NIV puts it. See, you are made whole, right? Sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. And that man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. Oh my goodness. My father... Jesus is saying, my Father is God, and He is working. And because He's working, I am working. And this was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill Him. Because not only was He breaking Sabbath, but He was even calling God His own Father, making Himself equal to God. The very Word of God. Mm. Well, Father, it's... It's challenging sometimes to thank you for things that are overwhelming us. I'm just conscious that in many places in the room right now, people are going, wait a second, wait a second. Father, we're finding ourselves wrestling with some of these powerful truths that John has shared with us. Oh God, I just ask you to wash over us, would you? Uh, take away all our fear. Take away our anger and rage. Take away anything, God, that would interfere with us hearing your voice today. I pray that the words of my mouth, Lord, and the the meditations of all of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen? Amen. Mm. Goodness. Goodness. Well, wow. As always, there's just a ton of stuff going on in this uh, passage. As always, I uh, just really encourage you. There are small groups throughout the church, throughout the week, where we go deeper into this very passage. And and I just really encourage you. There's even a couple of them happening right after this service. Uh, um, They're going to be able to go places that I'm not able to go with you today. But I just invite you, drink deep of God's Word personally. Drink deep of God's Word with other believers. They will sharpen you like iron sharpens iron. Um, in other words, sparks are going to fly in those smaller groups, right? Um, but, but you will come to know Jesus better as a result of being together. But I want to note as we begin here that there are several layers going on. Uh, in this story, and, and each of them is worthy of your attention. Unfortunately, we can't deal with all of them today, but I want, to, I want to just make you aware of them, so that as you go back in your personal study, as you go back in your small groups, you can explore them together. One of those layers is what John is trying to communicate to us. I just want to remind you, he had, he had unbelievable volumes of material that he could share with us, But he chose this story, and so so it's worthy of our attention to say why John did you of all the stories we could have looked at why did you want us to see this story? But there's another layer there, and that's what's happening with Jesus. In this, Right? We saw that powerfully in the changing of the water to wine. Jesus is, is beginning a journey. And I want you to see where this passage fits in with Jesus' journey. Right? There's a layer about Jesus in here that's critically important. You're going to learn things about Jesus. You're going to see his heart. You're going to experience him in a deeper level as you, as you ask yourself, what's happening with Jesus? I want you to think about what's happening with the Jewish leaders, right? This is phenomenal what's going on right there. I wish we could explore it, just to to give you a hint, right? They just had something happen right in front of them. Most of them had never seen, I'm, I'm confident, none of them had ever seen before. And they couldn't see it because of the filters that were in place, right? They were so expecting God to walk in one certain way that they did not recognize when God acted differently. They did not recognize when God walked among them. Oh my goodness, what a fruitful path to take. What was happening with the Jewish leaders? But today, here anyway, now with you, those of you online as well, I want to ask ourselves, what was happening with this man? Right? What was happening with this man for these brief moments that we share together. We want to look there, right? And to help us kind of unpack what was happening with this man, I want to hear two powerful questions, right? That Jesus is either asking out loud or he's implying, right? Two powerful questions for them and always we start with the context um, that the Bible is, is, uh, is set in. What, what, what did it mean for the man who heard these questions? But I'm going to, as always, also invite you to say, where am I in this story? Right? I want you to hear those questions as well. I want you to wrestle how will you respond. Because John, Jesus, have, have, have set these questions apart for us as well. What's the first powerful question, right? Do you want to be healed, right? When Jesus saw him lying there, knew that he had already been there for a long time, Jesus said to the man, do you want to be healed? And, and I cannot help but say, and, and, and in my own arrogance... As a as a, a budding disciple of Jesus, I said, what? What a stupid question, Jesus. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry, but of course He wants to be healed. Right? Right? You guys smell a rat, don't you? Uh, wait a second. Would, wouldn't everybody want to be healed? I mean, wouldn't... All of a sudden, new possibilities arise, right? Beloved, many people today do not want to be healed, right? They do not want to receive divine help in their problems. They don't want to be helped out of their weakness. Am I making that up, right? Some people say no to that question, right? Some, some take pride in doing it themselves, right? I can do this. Some even in a spiritual sense. Jesus, thank you for all you've done. I'll take it from here, right? I've got it from here, right? I don't, I don't need you to intervene uh, in my life physically or emotionally or, or spiritually, Jesus. Um, thank you for saving me. I've got it from here, right? Some people say... No, because they're hiding their weakness from other people. If I want to be healed from this, I'm gonna to have to own that I have this weakness, right? And I've I've managed I'm gonna use this man, I've managed for thirty eight years to hide my brokenness and I'm not about to come public with it right now. And here's the Tragedy, right? Tragedy is a word that's misused incredibly in our in our culture. Right, but the tragedy of this is because they won't own their brokenness. They can't be healed of their brokenness, right? They can't they can't find life. Some love their weakness, right? Some I, I know this is, is rock your world here, but some love their helpness, helplessness, helplessness. Right? We have an identity now in our brokenness. We have an identity now in our weakness, right? And and we kind of got used to it. We've gotten used to craving the attention of other people through our helplessness, right? We've, we've gotten used to being able to shirk some of our responsibilities for our own lives, right? We, we have, we've gotten used to being crippled physically, emotionally, and spiritually and and so we turn our back on an opportunity for deliverance because when push comes to shove we don't really want to happen we don't really want to go there some people say no some people don't say no outright i keep flogging myself with this microphone here um some people don't say no outright some people say not yet not yet Every morning, I pass around a bunch of texts with my old college roommates. Once a month, we get together. When we all started, I've shared with you before, we we called ourselves Bachelors to the Rapture, right? (laughs) Bachelors to the Rapture. And the idea was that that, uh, I think we were covering our fear that we would be alone our entire life. And so we made a club out of it. You following me? Sometimes we make a club out of our fears. By the way, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I don't want to offend anybody, but we talked about a bottle of wine that would, would be shared by the one who made it as a bachelor to the rapture, right? And one of our brothers took that seriously, and he's still a bachelor, and he's looking forward to that, that bottle of wine, and, um, and we laugh. We laugh together. Um but, but you know what? Sometimes we say not yet. I remember when I was in that situation I said I said, Jesus, come Lord Jesus, right? Maranatha. Remember that from the seventies? Come. But not yet, Jesus, right? I wanna I wanna get married first. I wanna have children first. I wanna have grandchildren first. Now my line is I wanna have great grandchildren first, right? Do <laughs> you see what I'm doing? Can anything surpass the wonder and the majesty and the beauty of Of the Lord coming, right? Uh, but, But I start to substitute in earthly things. Yes, yes, yes. I want to be healed, but not yet, right? Still others, still others of us are not helpless enough yet, right? We're not ready to give up our own human effort to solve our own problems. We're not ready to admit that we cannot make it on our own, right? We're gonna, we're going we're gonna get into the water when that water stirred. We're gonna, we're gonna swim to that thing. We're gonna get our own healing. We're gonna find our own healing. And some people say no. Some people say not yet. Some people say yes. I really want this. Jesus, but I just can't do it myself. I think this is where our man is today, right? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going down there, another steps down there before me, right? Wow. By the way, there's a verse missing in your Bibles. I don't know if you noticed that, but... But verse 4 was missing from your ESV. That's because probably it was a gloss that one of the scribes wrote in the margins. It was later included in the scripture. But there was, there was this false belief there around Bethesda, this, this pool house of mercy is what Bethesda means. There was this false belief that, that when the water burped, when there was a little bubble in the water, the first person in the water uh, after that would get healing, right? Right. Um, God doesn't work that way, you know. But oftentimes superstitions take over what God actually says is true. I would, I would start naming examples, but I would step on every toe in the room, right? Knock on wood? You didn't get that. Did you? Okay, come on. Check in wood. All right. Thank you for joining us late. Okay, that's right. I, 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 we all do this. We, there's no judgment or condemnation here, but but we have to separate superstition from truth, right? I'm so grateful that the ESV recognized what happened there and said this is a superstition. It's not and it, it's not in the earliest manuscripts, right? So, so they were able to say no, this shouldn't be in there. That's why you have an odd numbering in your in your books right there. But the sick man said, I want to get in that water. I just can't do this myself. In other words, I, I, I want to be healed, but I cannot. I've tried. I've done everything I know how, possibly for 38 years, right? I want to be healed, but I lack the ability. I've got no one to help me. I've given up. I have no hope, right? The the Chosen, when they, they did this scene in The Chosen, they did such a great job of showing the guy's desperation after all those years. He had no more hope. He didn't even try anymore when the waters were stirred, right? And I wonder how many of us are like that this morning. How many of us have given up hope in our situation and, and we r- refuse to believe that there's any hope that it will change, Right? We see no way from a human standpoint. So we've resigned ourselves to being weak. We've uh, we've resigned ourselves to failing, to being faltering Christians for the rest of our lives, right? I know. I don't mean to tread on your emotions. I know that that is true because it's true for me too, right? It's true for me as well. Some, Some of us, right, I don't know what your particular problem is, but, but some of us have tried and tried to break the power of addiction over. Uh, and, and, and we've had moments where it seemed like it was going to work, and then, and then it took over again. There are many addictions, but, but, but some of the more visible ones are, are, are alcohol, right? We know that it's ruining our life. We know that it's ruining our family and our home. Hear the word addiction, beloved, not alcohol by itself, right? Um, that uh, alcohol 's not a sin, addiction to it is right addiction to it is, and you thought you had it under control, right you tried to stop it, you discovered you could not oh we could substitute anything in their drugs right a pornography right there 's so many addictions. you notice i didn 't use the word caffeine right <laughs> <coughs> Oh, my goodness. But You could substitute. We find ourselves in the story, don't Some of us, is, in, in terms of our thought processes, right, we don't see any hope any longer that, that God is going to answer our prayer. We don't see any hope any longer that, that God is going to change the hearts of our, our, our children. We don't see any hope uh, any longer that, that, that God could change our marriage, right? We tried to correct things ourselves, right? Option A earlier, right? And we we even asked for help, but nobody seemed to care, and it only got worse, and it was less painful to stop believing that it could happen than it was to live in that tension. So Jesus comes to us like He came to that man and says to us, Do you want to be healed? Right? But there's another powerful question for us here today. And that is, are we willing to do what Jesus says? Are we willing to do what Jesus said? What did Jesus say to a man who had lost all hope, a man who had given up on others, on himself? Maybe even on God, right? Did Jesus say, oh, come on, I'll help you get into the pool, right? The next time the water is troubled, right? I'll help you. No, he didn't do that, right? He didn't offer that kind of help. He could have. He could have. But he didn't. Did he say, hang on, keep coming here. Maybe someday you'll make it. Buck up and be a man, right? Um, Right? He didn't say that, right? He didn't continue to lead him into false hope. He didn't say, Well, you know, as long as you're here, let me at least make you comfortable. I'm going to get a new mattress for you to lie on. I'm going to put a few flowers around, try and spruce up this place. I'm going to make sure that you get two meals a day. Oh, that would have been beautiful. That would have been compassionate. He didn't do that, right? These are the suggestions of men, right? What we say to people. But Jesus didn't say, any of those things to that man that day. What did he say? Verse 8, right? Jesus said to him, rise up. Get up. Take up your bed. Don't picture four-poster bed. Picture a straw mat that you could roll up and take with you. Take up your pallet, your bed, and walk. 38 years as an invalid. Walk. What is he doing? Now I just want to note a couple things, and I'm going to trust that the Holy Spirit will interpret these things in your heart. I just want to note that Jesus is commanding an impossible thing from the man's perspective. Right? He's commanding. He's saying to the man, "Do this," and it's impossible. For the man to do what he's saying. The man has tried to do those things for 38 years. On what basis does Jesus say these words to him? I think it's important for us to see that, right? Somehow, this man, I believe, senses what that basis was. Perhaps he was thinking, I'm making this up, but perhaps he was thinking, if this man tells me to rise and I know I cannot rise, it must mean that he intends to do something to make this happen. There's a beautiful thing that happens right here, right? I think right before us, this man's faith is transferred from his own efforts to Jesus. To Jesus. He must do it. I know I can't, right? The man must have reasoned somewhat along these lines. If if this man's going to help me, then I'm going to have to decide to do what he tells me to do. And I cannot help but think this is a critical clue that many of us miss when we're looking for help from God. There is always something that God tells us to believe there's also something that he tells us to do, to act on. And sometimes we find ourselves just saying, yes, I." in my mind I believe that, but I'm not willing to act on it, right? I'm not willing to act on it. This is a word of action, beloved. Jesus doesn't say try to build up some faith in your mind. Try to fasten your thoughts on this or that. What he tells them, what he does, is tells them to do something. Rise, stand up. Obviously, it was Jesus' will that this man should do what he told him to do. And this is so beautiful. This is so beautiful. The moment that man's will agreed with the Lord's will, the power was there. I say that a little bit out of line. I'm not sure if he somehow felt something happen in his body and that helped him. Or if I share with you that story when I was trying to jump over a 10 foot wall, when the man, when the sergeant said, go, I went right. Maybe, maybe in remember this in going, he was healed. All I do know is that when those two things came together, The man's will and the Lord's will. The power was there. Wow. I don't know. I don't know what he felt. All I know is that strength came into his bones and into his muscles. And for the first time in 38 years, he could stand. And somehow he risked believing that what Jesus said was true. What happens next? And I'm reading into this a little bit, but but go with me. I've been thinking about my own addictions, right? And, and what happens next? And he says, "Rise up, take up your pallet." Right? I I'm, I know I'm reading into this a little bit, but I want to just suggest to you that Jesus is removing all possibility of a relapse right here, right? When when he said, "Rise." Take up his talent what, what is he doing? I think he's taking away the provision. Now, if it was me, I would say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live in this newfound strength that I have, but I'm going to keep my bed by the waters just in case this doesn't work out. Right? Ever find yourself doing that? Right? Kind of covering your bases, right? I believe you, Jesus, but just in case you know what you say isn't true, you know, uh, and, and we have wonderful ways of accounting for that. But just, just in case I misunderstood what you were doing, Jesus, right? I'm going to keep this plan B, and and Jesus, there is no plan B. There's plan A. Um, remember the previous statement: Your will and my will have come together, and that's that's my plan for you, right? So. Take it up. Take up that bed, right? Let's let's no longer live by superstition. Let's no longer live condemned by the past. Let's live into the healing that is ours, right? But then, uh, I love what Jesus is doing. It's a little bit hidden. I'll try and unpack it for you. Jesus expects this to continue, right? He expects continued success. He says... Uh, in this thing, there you can't tell in English, but in, in the original language, there is a there is a, a, a one time take up this pallet, right? And then uh, there's a there's a voice in in the original language for that, but then there's a continued uh, action on the rising up and the walking. In other words, you're gonna you're gonna have to keep rising up. Oh, I didn't look it up, but I think it's Proverbs. 24, 16, don't hold me to that. Um, the wicked falls six times, but the righteous rises up a seventh, right? Some, we, we all fall, amen? Right? And so, we're gonna have to rise up. Uh, just because you love Jesus, just because you have been healed, have been delivered, does not mean that you won't stumble again. That's what's so beautiful in His Word. We're going to rise up, and we're going to keep on rising up. We're going to make no provision for for going back. And we're going to walk and keep on walking. Even even when we don't know where the path will lead, we're going to keep on walking, Right? So, so Jesus is giving not only the man a life-giving future, but he's giving us an amazing future as well. Don't expect to be carried the rest of your life, right? Many people want to be carried even after, after they're healed. We expect other people to gather around us and, and to keep us going. And then when those other people don't do that, then, then we give up. Right? But but Jesus has already spoken. Jesus has done a miracle in our lives. And and if you don't believe that coming to faith in Jesus Christ is a gift, it's a miracle. I just want to ask you to rethink it. You have already received the miracle. If you have trusted in Jesus Christ, the important thing now is for you to put his word into practice. The important thing is to fix your eyes on Jesus. Your eyes are not on your friends. They're not on even yourself. Your eyes are on Jesus, how did did the author of Hebrews put it? Looking unto Jesus, right? The author and finisher of our faith. You and Jesus. That's all you need. Come on up, worship team, if you would. I I said two powerful questions, but can I ask just one more? And I don't know if it's going to match your notes or not, because I did those earlier what about you? What about you? Do you want to be you? Or or do you still believe you've got this right? That you can do this on your own. Beloved, I can say this with certainty, right? There will come a time, even if you are in the prime of your life, even if your life's how does Bill put it? Cooking with gas right now, right? Even if everything's going well right now, there will come a time when your abilities, when your resources run out and you're going to have to put your weight down on what Jesus says. Will you, will you grant me that truth? There's going to come a time, even if you're not there right now, there's going to come a time when, when your strength, your resources are going to run out. Why not do it now? Right? Why not experience the intimacy that comes from living by faith now? Why not experience the freedom, the deliverance, the healing that can be yours right now? Right? Do you want to be healed? I know a hard part of that. And you might have to just belay this and, and meditate on it in your quiet times with Jesus. But... Part of that might be coming to that realization of what it is that you need healing for and owning it and naming it. But do you want to be healed? And and then secondly, are you willing to do what Jesus says? Are you willing to rise up? Are you willing to make no provision? for the way things were. Are you willing to walk in the mercy and grace that is Jesus, right? Bethesda, Beth, means house of mercy, right? House of mercy. And that mercy is available to us right now. What is it that you need of Jesus this morning? I think because of time, we're going to do two things. We're going to um, invite you to experience that where you are. But I want you to know, um, James 5 says, If anyone's sick, let him ask, and the elders will pray, right? They'll lay hands, they'll anoint with oil. Let them ask, and, and whatever they ask in faith will be done for them, right? But I want to just invite you, I want to invite you to risk believing that God's healing power is here for you right now. Right? I want to ask you to take a baby step, It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks, does it? I want to ask you to take a baby step with me. And and if there's something that the Lord has brought to your mind, I, I promise I will not embarrass you. I will not ask you what that is. But if there's something that you agree with Jesus is something that you need to be healed of delivered from something that you need from Jesus this morning I just want to ask you to courageously stand where you are and would you just give everyone would you just everybody shut your eyes and give everyone the privacy to have this moment with Jesus but if you have a need of Jesus this morning I'm going to ask you to stand where you are. God, thank you so much that your grace is sufficient for us as each of these women and men in their minds verbalize to you what it is they're asking of you in Jesus' name. I ask you to heal. I ask you by the power not of myself or of them but of Jesus' name to deliver them and heal them. And God, I just thank you that that mercy is available right here, right now. I pray as they as they agree with you that that this is going to be no longer, that that this was the past but is no longer a part of them and not a part of their future. God, I pray that you give them the ability, even as you have right now, to rise up, to stand. I, I pray that you have give them the ability to leave behind any plan B. God, but to live into this future of who they are now because they have met Jesus and He has heard their cry. And then God, in Jesus' name I ask You, let them walk. Let them leave this place in their new identity. Let them boldly, God, approach Your throne of grace and proclaim to the world that that Jesus is enough. Jesus is is enough. Oh, God, thank you. Your grace is sufficient right here. I thank you for the healing and the deliverance that has already happened. And God, that will be happening in the next few moments as well as others. And their hearts stand in join. Your word is true, Jesus. We believe you are both willing and able so together, those who are standing and those God who are worshiping and praying for their brothers and sisters in their hearts, together, God, we say, we believe we're coming to you. We say we will receive this, God, and walk in our new identity. And In the mighty name of Jesus, we believe all things are possible.